Hello, welcome to a new podcast for the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology. Now I'm joined today by Dr. Marco Carboni, who is the author of a new paper on the development of the UDCA response score. I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is Marco Carbone. I'm a hepatologist and a clinical lecturer in hepatology based in Milan, Italy. And I'm also an investigator of the EKPBC project, which is a research platform to study PBC based in the United Kingdom. So perhaps we could kick off by talking a little bit about uh, primary biliary cholangitis. How many people does it affect and what's the current standard of care for treatment? So PBC is a net immune condition characterized by a chronic inflammation and disruption of the small bile duct in the liver. This, if untreated, can lead to a chronic cholestasis, which is the driver for progressive fibrosis and cirrhosis. Uh, PBC is a disease that predominantly affects middle-aged women. Uh, in population terms, uh, PBC is a rare condition, but actually it affects one in 1,000 women aged 40 years or older. And in women, it accounts for approximately 20% of all the transplant undertaken in the UK. Uh, PBC uh, today is diagnosed more frequently than in the past. Uh, however, it is not entirely clear whether this is a result of an increased awareness amongst patient doctors and a better availability of uh, uh, diagnostic tests, or uh, this is a result of a true increase in disease frequency like uh, we have been seeing in other immune conditions. Um, there is no cure for PBC. The therapy is a lifelong therapy, and its goal is to slow down the disease progression and improve disease-associated symptoms that reduce patient quality of life, um, in particular pruritus. A pharmacologic uh, approaches currently include licensed therapy like ursidioxyclic uh, acid or UDCA as a first-line therapy. And um, this has been the only available therapy for PBC in the last 30 years. Uh, UDCA has been shown to delay surgical progression and also improve survival in patients who have an improvement or normalization of the liver biochemistry, ALP and bilirubin mainly, the so-called UDCA response. However, those patients with an inadequate response or, or treatment failure have an increased risk of disease progression. And uh, this unmet need has prompted the development of secoline therapy. Uh, and last year, a new drug, the uh, obeticolic acid, has been licensed for PBC. Uh, for patients uh, with PBC who failed the treatment with or are intolerant to UDCA. There are also um, other off label therapies, such as the uh, budesonide or uh, um, fibric acid derivates like phenofibrates or beta fibrates, which actually have recently shown their efficacy in a randomized controlled trial patients not responsive to UDCA. So fibrates are likely to become a, a novel uh, secoline therapy in PVC, and these represent a, a major step forward in the management of these uh, orphan conditions. Yeah, so you noted in your article, which is quite curious, that under the current treatment guidelines, patients who are at the highest risk of disease progression are actually waiting the longest for effective treatment. So in your particular study, how do you aim to kind of address this gap in clinical care? Well, what we do to the clinical practice based on the uh, European guidelines is to offer um, the therapy with UDCA almost to all patients at the time of diagnosis. Uh, we assess the liver biochemistry after uh, a period of at least 12 months, and uh, at that time, those who have an inadequate response to UDCA represent 20 to 50% of patients, depending on the, on the definition response that we use, are then considered for second-line therapy with the obeticolic acid. However, with this approach, patients with a very active and inflammatory disease 
who are unlikely to respond to DCA in the first instance and where those at the higher risk of disease progression are not treated timely with an effective therapy. And this goes against the, the current approach in medicine, which is to personalize treatment based on patient's risk profile. Uh, however, currently we do not have a reliable marker that can help us to identify early in the natural history at the time of diagnosis those patients who are most likely to fail to UDCA and so might benefit from an early introduction of second-line more effective therapy. Uh, so with our study, uh, which is a large-scale course studies of patients with PBC uh, recruited across the UK and uh, Italy, we aim to determine whether treatment failure to UDCA can be predicted using easily available pre-treatment clinical parameters. We wanted to understand the nature of those parameters and we wanted to develop a predicting model that would enable us to uh, accurate identify such patients who are likely to respond to UDCA. And in whom an alternative approach to treatment stratification might be explored. And finally, we sought to test the biological plausibility of the model by looking at the correlation between model predictions and key histologic parameters such as uh, biliary injury and uh, fibrosis by using liver biopsy sample from patients with PVC. Uh, I'd like to stress one concept. Uh, in order to carry out such studies aiming at the identification of high-risk individuals and the description of, the, of disease variants and disease trajectories uh, that are all necessary to develop precision medicine in this field, it is uh, um, very important to have uh, the availability of large cohort of patients. An example of these cohorts are the cohorts that actually we've been using in this study, the UK BBC Research Court that was established by George Mouse and David Jones, among the others, and which include more than 6,000 patients well characterized. Another is the Italian PBC study group established by Pietro Bernizzi, which includes more than 1,000 to 1,200 PBC patients. The, you, you mentioned in your answer there some of the pre-treatment variables that predicted whether a patient was likely to respond or not to UDCA. What, what were some of these variables, and what does that tell us about the underlying biology? So uh, the prediction model, uh, which is called the UDCA response model, includes six variables. The strongest predictor of UDC response include, included in the, in the model was the liver bad chemistry, as expected, specifically the alkaline phosphatase and the bilirubin. The probability of response declined sharply as the alkaline phosphatase and bilirubin increased. In addition, using a, a small sample of 20 liver biopsy performed the diagnosis, we managed to identify correlation between the liver bad chemistry and some histological features. Uh, particularly interesting uh, uh, the extent of ductural reaction and the presence of an intermediary hepatocyte, also known as a, a biliary metaplasia. These two uh, parameters are a marker of parenchymal and biliary damage, but they're also a marker of activation of the stem cell compartment within the liver. And this observation emphasizes the, the value of the alkaline phosphatase concentration as a biomarker for biliary injury in patients with PBC and uh, suggests that the severity of the biliary injury is a major determinant of responsiveness to chloritic treatment. Consistent with this, uh, UDC response was less likely if the alkaline phosphatase increased between the diagnosis and the start of treatment in those patients who had not been treated immediately, and possibly this reflects progression of biliary injury. In addition, UDC response was less likely if treatment was delayed of once in five years, possibly because this allows the biliary injury to progress with more bile duct loss and more fibrosis. Uh, and this later observation has a relevant implication for the timing of second-line therapy. Um, in other words, if patient is unlikely to respond to UDCA because it's a very active disease, she or he 
could be switched to a second-line therapy sooner, even a diagnosis, with the hope of slowing down the loss of bile ducts, the fibrosis progression, and uh, hopefully improving the, the prognosis. And finally, we, we found that patients diagnosed at a younger age were more likely to fail UDC therapy. Uh, we already shown uh, a few years ago that young patients were at a higher risk of inadequate response to UDCA. And it is these patients, young patients with a very active disease diagnosis, who are unlikely to respond to UDCA and with the most to lose from ineffective treatment, who we had in mind in developing these scores. So your predictive scoring system, how do you see it impacting clinical guidelines, especially in terms of when it comes to second-line therapy for the, for the higher-risk patients? Well, by using this predictive model, the future response UDC treatment can be predicted in patients with PBC when we see them for the first time in clinic at the time of diagnosis. And this should allow us, in particular in, uh, in the risky patients, to explore alternative therapeutic approaches, such as uh, neural introduction of second-line more effective therapies. And this is very relevant today since some potential disease-modifying agents for PBC are available already in clinical practice, and hopefully many other will be soon available, and they can be offered disease-onset in patients with an active disease. Uh, this obviously represents a new paradigm of patient management in PBC that uh, fits very well with the concept of personalized medicine by offering the right treatment at the right person at the right time, which is widely adopted in other fields of medicine, like, uh, for example, rheumatology or oncology. The risk model might also be useful for research purposes, specifically in precision medicine initiatives, to identify predictive biomarker for treatment or risk certification in PBC. And so finally then, are there any unanswered questions that still kind of need to be addressed?